Thanks for the uh, for the for getting me going there. Hey, my name is Josh Edwards, and uh, welcome to Revive School. We are in the Book of Psalms, my friends. Uh, guys, uh, I want to dive right in here. We're going to be in Psalm one thirty four, thirty five, and thirty six today. And uh, you know, if if you guys are taking notes or anything, I would write down just kind of two themes, two ideas. I would say name. And I'd say love. Why don't you say that with me, brothers? Can you say name? Name. And then we got love. Love. So if you got your Bibles, why don't you open up to Psalm chapter 134, and we're just going to dive into this thing. Guys, this, this particular psalm is the last psalm of 15 Psalms of Ascent. And, uh, man, I'm just, I'm really stoked about this. This is the conclusion of that. And, uh, you know, I just, we're just going to read the whole thing through here, and then I'm going to kind of come back and give some thoughts. So here's verse 1. It says, Now, praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand in the Lord's house at night. Lift up your hands in the holy place and praise the Lord. And here's the last verse. May the Lord, maker of heaven and earth, bless you from Zion. Now, here's what's cool about this, this Psalm of Ascent. So one idea is that as these guys are climbing the mountain, as they were ascending the holy hill, as they were going up to Jerusalem for pilgrimage, that they would actually sing these Psalms of Ascent. And it's kind of a cool idea. Another theory that's kind of thrown out there is that these Psalms of Ascent could have been sung by the Levites as they climbed the 15 steps to the temple to minister. Well, that sounds like a Levitical priestly thing to do, right? I mean... Levites would sing. Uh, this would be totally their cup of tea. Right, guys? I mean, singing the Psalms as they're climbing those 15 steps. And there, are, there were 15 steps to get to the, the, the temple courts. And so there you go. That's an idea. It also, guys, I've, I've heard about this, that it could have been that they were compiled and sung during the dedication of Solomon's temple. Uh, they, don't, they can't really pin this down and actually say this is exactly what, what the thing is. It could be all of the above. It could be parts of the story. I don't know. But this could have happened after the dedication of Solomon's temple. And the fourth theory that's kind of floating around out there is that these Psalms of Ascent, they could have been compiled and sung after the rebuilding of Jerusalem under Nehemiah. Guys, remember, man, we were in Nehemiah, Ezra, reading that whole thing. And, uh, man, they're building the wall with a hammer, and they got a sword in one hand. And after the thing is built, after the walls are, are rebuilt, and Jerusalem's built back up under Nehemiah, these could have been established or sometime after the exile in Babylon. So there's a few different theories out there just to, to kind of create a little bit of a backdrop. Uh, Kevin, let's go to verse 1 here. So I just want to break this down a little bit. It says, Now, praise the Lord. All you servants of the Lord who stand in the Lord's house at night. 
Now, you guys back here at the booth, you know, I don't know how many late night, uh, all night prayer meetings you guys go to. You ever, anybody ever done a night watch before and th- that kind of thing? Not all night, but. But part of. Yeah. These guys, it was actually a normal routine for a lot of Levites. And I'm just, I'm going to bring you guys, uh, Kevin, if you could go to Luke chapter 2, verse 36 and 37. And guys, when I'm hearing this story, the first person that I'm thinking of is this woman named Anna. It says, there was also a prophetess named Anna, a daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher. She was well along in years. That's another way of saying uh, youth challenged or um, old. Okay, this lady was old. She just was, she, she was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. This lady was old. Anna was well along in years. And she, uh, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, check this out, as a widow... For 84 years. She, she was married and she's had been a widow for 84 years. No, is, is my math right on that? That's right, right? She was a widow for 84 years. She did not leave the temple complex serving God night and day with fastings and prayers. Guys, there's something about Anna that just really inspires me just to, to want to press into the place of prayer and worship more. Man, if there was one occupation that we could just really go for that I think would change uh, culture, change atmospheres, that kind of stuff, it's that thing out of the place of uh, living out of the place of prayer and kind of carrying that atmosphere with you. I want to get to the place in my life, man, where I'm actually asking the Lord, Lord, wake me up at night. Like, I know some people get bothered by that kind of stuff, but... Man, I'm, I'm longing for the Lord to wake me up because I want to press into the place of prayer. And this is what the psalmist is saying here in the Psalm of Ascent. Praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who stand in the Lord's house at night. A Matthew Henry commentary, man, old school. So, you know, this is kind of a little bit Elizabethan in language, but I want to throw it out to you. So this is Matthew Henry's commentary. It says this, Some of them did by night stand in the house of the Lord to guard the holy things of the temple that they might not be profaned and the rich things of the temple might not be plundered. So these guys are on guard duty. You know, some of these priests, there was, I mean, high end stuff. There was the laver, there was the golden bowls, there was the golden lampstand. There was, I mean, all this kind of stuff. And Matthew Henry continues. He says, while the ark was in curtains, there was the more need of guards upon it. They attended likewise to see that neither the fire on the altar nor the lamps on the candlestick went out. I'm going to say that one more time because I think there's something really powerful here. They attended likewise to see that neither the fire on the altar nor the lamps of the candlestick went out. My prayer is that that would be said of us as the body of Christ that we would continually put logs on, on, that, on that fire, that we'd continually stoke that flame. You know, Paul said to Timothy, he says, Man, I want you to fan that flame of the gift of God that was put upon you by the laying on of hands. Guys, I think that's out of the place of prayer and worship and adoration and being in his presence. Man, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit now. So man, we we don't have to go to a place to do that. We have it here. But continually putting fire, uh, adding wood to that fire and continually uh, trimming those wicks. And man, just making sure uh, that fire is burning. I think it's really crucial. One idea, you guys, about this thing, about these three little verses, is that it's a call and response. It's actually something that these guys may have done in the middle of the night. So you got one crowd, you know, one set of priests, they're shouting out verse 1. They're saying, now praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who stand in the Lord's house at night. 
And then maybe another group rose up and said in verse 2, they might have said this, lift up your hands in the holy place and praise the Lord. And then the last part, guys, a part of that thing, another crew would raise up and they'd say, may the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, bless you from Zion. Very well could have been, man. These guys are trying to stay awake for an all-night prayer meeting. They might have had to do some desperate measures. Uh, Man, look at verse 2 again. Lift up your hands in the holy place. Now, I came in. I was acting like a goofball. Lift our hands in the sanctuary. But here's a little bit of a backdrop. I know Tom's going to be tapping into this some more uh, in the coming talks. But but here's what uh, 1 Timothy uh, 2.8. I just love this verse. Paul is exhorting the people of God. 1 Timothy 2.8 says this, Therefore, I want the men in every place to pray. Come on, somebody. Come on, men of God. Man, I'm speaking to myself. Father, stir up in my heart a passion to pray. Awaken my heart. Man, can you hear the voice of of the master? Not in a condemning way, but he just says, Man, can't you pray for even one hour? Think of the boys in the garden. And he's, the master's saying that to me right now. Son, can't you just pray with one, for one hour? Why can't, can, can you just press into me for a little bit? There's so much I want to tell you. There's so much I want to show you. And Paul is telling his spiritual son, Timothy, I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands, listen, without anger or argument. Lord, help us. Help us. I pray that that would be a constant thing for us as the priests would do in the middle of the night. They lift up holy hands. Did you guys know that, Kev, did you know that your, your hands are holy? They are. Look at this. Let's go to, um, let's go to uh, 1 Peter 2, verses 9 and 10. A really common scripture for all you guys. I feel like every time I do Revive School, I'm always talking about this verse. But I just love it. And it's so much, uh, just something that the Lord's really put in my heart. And I just, man, I echo this, uh, this This amazing scripture, it says this, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Isn't that beautiful? It's so good. You know, I'll just throw it to you guys really quick. In your mind, uh, on this side of the cross, what does it mean to be a priest? Like, like we're talking about raising our hands, we're talking about praying, but in, in your guys' summation, what, what, is, what does the priesthood look like for Tom or for Kevin? I mean, you know, what, what do you guys think about that? Well, for me, it's, it's the access. You know, in the Old Testament times, you had to come to the priest and come before the Lord, but we have, we have immediate, consistent, constant access to the Father. Isn't that so cool? I think it's the supreme... Uh, one of the supreme realities uh, that we are the priests of God, that we're also the bride of Christ, that we're the sons and daughters of God people. Man, if we can get a hold of this, it would change everything. It would change our families. It would change our lives. It would change the world around us. Kevin, go to verse 3 of this, of this psalm, if you could. May the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, bless you from Zion. Now, I have a bunch of stuff here. Uh, Kevin, if you could go to Numbers chapter 6. Verses 24 through 26. 6, 24 through 26. And this is this, this amazing blessing. He just says this. He says, may Yahweh bless you and protect you. Go to the next one. May Yahweh make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. So good. May Yahweh look with favor on you and give you peace. Man. The power of blessing. The power of 
of a blessing. So these guys are having this prayer meeting in the middle of the night and they are literally blessing each other. They're saying, man, may the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, bless you from Zion. Guys, I'm going to throw it. I'm sorry, a lot of interaction here. Why do you think he said, bless you from Zion? What is the purpose of why? Why, why does the blessing come from Zion? Any thoughts? A couple of things. I mean, we've just continually talked about it was the place God had chosen to dwell. Yeah. And not just at that time, but forever. Yeah. Throughout the generations, it was like, it was like that. I mean, since, since Jerusalem was Jerusalem, it's been that way. It's almost like that crossroads of heaven and earth. Uh, what's really cool is, you know, why the blessing from Zion, in my mind, that's where atonement was made. I mean, that's why they did the sacrifices. There is no blessing without the remission of sins, without the atonement. And literally, that's how these Old Testament Levites, they could bless each other from Zion. It's kind of a cool thought that Jesus was taken outside of the gates and he was the sacrificial lamb that takes away the sins of the world. And now we as believers in, in, in the Messiah and Yeshua, we can now bless each other with that same thing that these guys were blessing with. Pretty cool. The other thing about Zion and Jerusalem, and I'm actually going to close later with this, but this is where the blessing will be poured out again when he returns and the kingdom is fully realized, right? I mean, guys, listen, that's why Time to Revive exists. That's why we're even here. That's why we're doing Revive School. It's all leading up to the end of the age. It's all leading up. And not, I'm not trying to be weird or hokey with that. That's legit. Man, the Lord is returning soon, and we're just trying to get the body, the bride ready. Uh, man, I'm going to switch gears here a little bit and get out of Psalm 134. Um, but guys, what's so cool, and I'm going to take the remainder of the time, and I'm going to explore the next two chapters. We're going to go uh, Psalm 135 and 136. And there's such a cool correlation between actually all three of these, these uh, portions of Scripture. And it's almost like there's these constant cross-references and throwbacks and tags and, I mean, all this kind of stuff between especially Psalm 135 and 136. Let's, let's just read uh, Psalm 135, verse 1. It says this, Hallelujah! Praise the name of Yahweh. Give praise, you servants of Yahweh. Man, that sounds kind of familiar. If you go to Psalm 134.1, man, what did that say? It said, now praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who stand in the Lord's house at night. It's the same thing. Uh, let's click over, Kevin, to Psalm 136, verse 1. Every one of these, fir- uh, the first verse in each of these little chapters, it starts the same way. Look at Psalm 136.1. It says, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love is eternal. You know, you guys maybe have heard like, forever God is faithful. Give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. And man, I love this portion of scripture. And hopefully, you know, I, I'm just going to do this really quick and just get it out of my system, boys. Are you ready? I want to go like this. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Yahweh. Give you praise, you servants of Yahweh. His love is eternal. Who stand in the house of Yahweh, in the courts of the house of our God. His love is eternal. Praise Yahweh, for Yahweh is good. Sing praise to his name for many that high five. His love is eternal. For Yahweh has chosen Jacob for himself, Israel, his treasure possession. His love is eternal. Yes! Yes, Tom Schieffer is representing in this house. Sweet Jesus. Glory to God. 
All right, real quick. That was ridiculous. Go to Psalm. <laughs> let's, go, let's go to Psalm 100, verse 4, if we could. Let's try to pull out of this mess. Sweet Lord. <laughs> Psalm 100, verse 4. Guys, I say this a lot too. It's just something I like to do. Look at this. Enter his gates with what? Thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Guys, there's this really cool protocol when we come before the Lord and we don't have to get all legalistic, but I just think there's something to coming into his gates with thanksgiving. First off, thanksgiving is such a powerful tool because it literally cripples the enemy because he doesn't know what to do with a joyful heart. He doesn't know what to do with a thankful heart. It literally robs him of power. The enemy can't get a foothold when we have hearts of gratitude and thanksgiving. So we come into the gates with thanksgiving, but then we, then we come to the next step. We come into his courts with praise when we're declaring who our God is. And what I want to just illustrate here, guys, is Psalm 134, Psalm 135, Psalm 136, all those first verses, they're doing precisely that. They're giving some, one says thanksgiving, the other says praise. And, you know, I know there's some differences, but for what we're talking about here is just coming before him, there is a protocol of coming into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. In verse 2, it says, who stands in the house, who, who stand in the house of Yahweh, in the courts of the house of our God? Now look at this correlation, Psalm 134, verse 1. Wow, this sounds familiar. We just read this. Praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand in the Lord's house at night. Pretty cool. All right, we're going to keep moving here. This is verse 3. It says uh, in, in Psalm 135, it says, Praise Yahweh, for Yahweh is good. Sing praise to his name. Listen to this, man. For it is delightful. I just think that's such a cool word. It means full of delight, full of enjoyment, like heavenly enjoyment and bliss. When I think of delight, man, that's what it is. Isn't that so cool? So look at this, Psalm 136.1. Very similar thing here. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love is eternal. In verse 4 of uh, Psalm 135, I'm just going to kind of keep going and just keep continually bring, uh, build bridges and, and do the throwback thing between them because they really reciprocate. It's almost like you got a foundation and a foundation of praise and thanksgiving. And these two scriptures in, in Psalm 135 and 36, they keep throwing back to each other. And it's almost like a skyscraper is being built. It's almost like a, a tower is being built. And they reciprocate off of each other. This is verse 4. For Yahweh has chosen Jacob... For himself. Somebody say Jacob. Jacob. Israel as his treasured possession. Now, guys, I want to just confess this that I've lived a lot of my Christian life having no idea what that means. I've lived a lot of my life thinking, oh, that's me. I was, as I was even just researching for this, a lot of people just kind of take this on for themselves. You know, and that's okay because we are grafted into that branch, we're we're grafted in branch into the, the tree of Israel. But guys, this is a prophetic destiny. This is something that's so ingrained in the foundations of of the Israelites, of the Jewish people. This is for them. And because of them, we get to join into that. But look at this. Yahweh has chosen Jacob for himself, Israel as his treasured possession. Isn't that awesome? And so I just want to honor that. Uh, Going to verse 5 here in, in Psalm 135, it says, For I know that Yahweh is great. Our Lord is greater than all other gods. Look at Psalm 136, verses 2 and 3. Give thanks to the God of gods. 
His love is eternal. Verse 3 says, give thanks to the Lord of Lords. His love is eternal. Do you guys see the bounce back here? Like it's this, it's this, it's this give upon give. It's this building up, building up. Look at this. Verse 6 says this, Yahweh does whatever he pleases in heaven and on earth, in the seas and all the depths. Go to Psalm 136, 4 through 6, Kevin. Sorry, we're kind of bouncing around a whole lot, but thanks for flowing with me. It says this, he alone does great wonders. His love is eternal. Verse five, he made the heavens skillfully. His love is eternal. And this, this last one, six, he spread the land on the waters. His love is eternal. Now, when I think of that scripture back in, in Psalm 135, uh, Yahweh does whatever he pleases in heaven or on earth, man. His wonders are amazing. Verse seven in this same portion of scripture, it says this, he causes the clouds to rise from the ends of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain and brings the wind from his storehouses. Go to Psalm 136, 7 through 9. In that same stream of, of nature and, and his wondrous acts in nature, it says this. He made the great lights. His love is eternal. Next verse. The sun to rule by day. His love is eternal. And the moon and stars to rule by night. His love is eternal. It's just this perpetual going back and forth. Verse 8 in Psalm 135, it says, oh man, it's so cool just how this, it, fo- it follows the same exact grid here. It says this, he struck down the firstborn of Egypt, both people and animals, both man and beast. Go to Psalm 136, 10 through 12. You got the same kind of idea here. 136, 10 through 12. Oh, he struck down. Yeah, there it is. I thought it was. The, it is the same thing. He struck the firstborn of the Egyptians. His love is eternal. The next verse. And brought Israel out from among them. His love is eternal. Verse 12. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm. Super fun. Look at this. Now, guys, I want to say this real quick. Okay, so he took care of the Egyptians. We're going to get into this thing about a couple of the kings that. Well, here, I'll just go there. Let's go to verse 10. In Psalm 135, he struck down many nations and slaughtered mighty kings. Go to Psalm 136, 17, if you could. Psalm 136, 17 and 18. He struck down great kings. His love is eternal. And slaughtered famous kings. His love is eternal. The next one. Sihon, king of the Amorites. His love is eternal. Go to the next one there, Kevin, too. And Og, king of Bashan. His love is eternal. Kind of a weird thing, guys, if you think about it. It kind of does this tennis match with his love is eternal. His love endures forever. Love endures forever. It's, it's interesting. It's like it's, it's got a different language, but it, it tracks together. But what I wanted to say is, this is weird to me that amidst all the, like the great glorious creations, the lightnings, the thunderings, the, 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 the oceans, the skies, all this stuff. And then you got, you struck down the mighty kings and you made all of the Egyptians pay. Like, like his love endures forever. But what do you guys think about that? Why, why, would, why would the writer take that thing? And relate it to his love. Why would he take the, the killing of Og and, and Sihon, which were crazy giants in the land. They weren't letting them come through the land. These guys were obstinate and they were obstacles to the Israelites. Why would they uh, correlate that with Egypt and to the, to the love of God? His love was so great. 
for them, he was abhorred by sin and was going to take care of it. His love enduring forever is because he wants us redeemed. He wants us to face uh, an eternity with him, and he's not going to let anything stand in its way. Right. So it's just showing that his faithfulness endures through all generations to Israel. And uh, just really cool. You know, I, am, I have a lot more that I want to cover here, guys, but I think I want to end with this. Um, if you go to uh, 135 verse 12, it says this, he gave their land as an inheritance. Talking about the kings, talking about Bashan, uh, Og, and talking about Sion. He gave their land as an inheritance, an inheritance to his people, Israel. Man, if you can go to Psalm 136, 21 through 22, again, this volleyball thing, this volleying back and forth, Psalm, it says this, and gave their land as inheritance, his love is eternal, verse 22, an inheritance to Israel, his servant, his love is eternal. And then the last thing I want to say here, you guys, is in verse 13 of Psalm 135, I just love this. Yahweh, your name endures forever. Your reputation, Yahweh, through all generations. And as I close here, guys, I just want you to think about the names that are like listed here in these three portions of Scripture that I just read, that we're studying together. You got words like Lord. He's the Lord of Lords which is Adonai. And what that literally means is my Lord. So Adonai is my Lord. It's possessive. It's, I have, I, this is my God. This is my Lord. You got words like God, capital G-O-D. The word for that in the Hebrew is Elohim, which means God. <laughs> Newsflash. But here's what's interesting about the word Lord and the word God is in other portions of scripture, that word Elohim and Adonai they're used in other, for false gods, in, in lesser gods. But here's what's so cool. All throughout these, these portions of scripture, you see capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, or you say, or you see Yahweh. You see a lot of that bouncing back and forth. Kevin, last scripture I'm going to give you is Exodus 3, verse 13 through 15. And this is the only name, you guys, that's given exclusively to God, the creator of heaven and earth, Yahweh, Y-H-W-H, means I am. And it says this, then Moses asked God, if I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. It's the only name given to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And guys, what I want to leave you with is this, is that the Lord's name, because of Jesus, his blood on the cross, because him, him laying down his life, we are now able to come into that place of communion with the Father. Now we are actually the bride of Christ. So Kevin, if you could go to this last verse, this is uh, verse 21. It's the last uh, verse in... in uh, in, the, in Psalm 131, it says, 135, it says, May the Lord be praised from Zion. He dwells in Jerusalem. Hallelujah. And then, guys, real quickly, Psalm uh, 136, 26, it says, Give thanks to the God of heaven. His love is eternal. 
So guys, here's the deal. His love is eternal. His name endures forever, as the previous psalm said. Because of his steadfast love for his bride, we will one day take his name. We will bear his name. We will enter into the marriage feast of the Lamb. So guys, as I'm reading these scriptures and as as we're pouring over the psalms here, it just points to a future revelation where the kingdom of God will be fully realized when we will all together join with the Father in Zion. Yes, we have Zion in our hearts. Yes, the new Jerusalem will come out of heaven. We are going to be with our God. We will have his name and we will delight in his everlasting love forever. So just here's the deal. Give thanks to the God of heaven. His love is eternal. Man, thanks for joining us for Revive School this week. Uh, We love y'all. That's the end of Lesson 93, friends. We are getting ready to wrap up the Psalms here in just a few short days. So God bless you.